this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast it's joe marino kyle krabs and chris schubert and we are your hosts here on this thursday episode of the show and it's that time of year again and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season and as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. And be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Kyle, happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday. We're a little pseudo draft season type mentality here. A little bit of battle of the boards, a mini battle of the boards uh, to get us ready for week one of the college football season. Obviously, we had week zero uh, last week. We had a handful of compelling games and some prospect performances, but uh, we're, we're really going to get into the meat and potatoes right off the bat here because we got a star-studded week one of, of slate of top 25 matchups and only fitting that you and I beat each other up over rankings that nobody's going to remember seven months from. <laughs> hey, good way to introduce the class. And we got That's games right. tonight, man. We got friggin' Ohio State, Minnesota tonight. Chewy. Yeah, brother, I'll be done. You are, baby. Row the boat. Row the damn boat. Sorry, Chris. What's that, a dollar for the swear jar? That would be a dollar into the swear jar, yes. Row the damn boat. I'll pay again. I don't care. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Let's uh, Let's talk about this quarterback class now it's battle of the boards you know mini battle of the boards preseason right. edition so we came uh, out with respective offense. top yeah. 75 top 80 board you just had to i'm gonna do a top update and do top 81 i think just so i can have one more guy ranked <laughs> you know you i do. knew you were gonna say something about that it was not intentional i didn't want <laughs> to just do five no if you look at the last if you look at the last five players on my board which came out on monday or tuesday, tuesday on the draft that was that cup they went up on They're like teams. all like ACC specials that I wanted to sneak in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I just wanted them there, man. So I resp- I respect it. So we we put these boards out earlier in the week, and what we're gonna do if you're not familiar with battle of the boards is we're gonna go position by position, look at where we have each guy ranked in a positional basis, and as Joe said, starting with quarterbacks. All right, so we have the exact same top order six. of the top six. So let's have some fun here. Let's. There's a seventh quarterback in each of our boards. You have JT Daniels from Georgia. I have yeah. Phil Dracovich from Boston College. You tell me why Daniels is your seventh player at, at quarterback. I'll tell you why Dracovich is mine. Yeah, Daniels flashed a little bit at USC before obviously transitioning to University of Georgia. He started the last four games. Uh, he really positioned George Pickens well uh, as far as boosting his draft stock because he established a good chemistry with Pickens and fed him the football. I think he's got a lot of the prototypical tools. And what scared me about Djokovic versus was Daniels. And Daniels is not immune to turnover-worthy plays, but I saw more of them from Djokovic. So, therefore, uh, JT Daniels, traditional pocket passer, reminds me a little bit of Jacob Eason. 
uh, strong arm, can throw the ball to all levels of the field, finds and feeds his number one receiver, uh, hoping for a big jump this year, although I don't know how enthusiastic I am at that possibility playing in the Georgia offense, which is why he's QB7 and 69. Nice on my top 75 board. All right, so with Djokovic for me, I recognize that he's got some work to do. He's got to play better this year. But I also have a lot of respect for what he did last year. Transferring from Notre Dame, where he was supposed to be the next big thing there, winds up not even really getting a chance to play. Goes to Boston College, arrives on campus in January, new coaching staff, new teammates. They don't really have a normal offseason. And this guy's asked to go run an NFL offense in week one. And I thought he got better throughout the course of the season. Thought he made some impressive throws down the field. I love his toughness. He's competitive. And what all the stuff that he has to get better at, I think, comes with more time on task and more familiarity with the playbook, the coaching staff, and his teammates. Got a really good offensive line there. And so this is definitely me, definitely me buying into the idea that all the ingredients are in place for him to take a step and keeping in mind the dynamics that he, that he dealt with last year. And um, I, I just feel like, Right now, he's not he's not the a guy that I would take early in the draft, but I do think he has that type of ability if he puts it all together this year. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And just a real quick summary, we kind of glazed over the fact that the first six were in the same order. Uh, we have them generally in the same tiers. I'm just higher on the tier two guys than Joe is. Yeah. Uh, from a rankings perspective, we have Rattler and Hal, QBs one and two, uh, both alike. Both of us have them both top 15. Uh, each of us have Matt Corral, QB3, and Malik Willis, QB4. Uh, Joe has them sitting just outside the top 32. I've got them right around 20. Uh, then Desmond Ritter and Carson Strong as the next tier down uh, of strong-armed quarterbacks who can can push the ball and sling it around a little bit. So that's our top six. Uh, we stayed uh, chalk through QB7, uh, which – Hopefully it's not groupthink. I'd like to think I'm not going to let you sucker me into opinions, but uh, I think this quarterback class, the appeal of these guys is generally straightforward when you look at each one of them. And I, th- I think the, the top two guys might not be the most gifted athletes when you compare them to Corral and Willis and Desmond Ritter, but they're really proficient in their offenses. Whereas the other guys, it's a lot of the little things that they have to get better at to just make more routine throws and, and, not miss so many gimme plays at times. Are you ready for running back? Yeah, this one will be short. Well, we have a different RB1, which is we, fun. You no, know, we do, but there, I've got three running backs in the top 75, and you have four in the top 80, but you also have three in the top 75. Yeah, in Zonovan Knight, my RB4 is one of those ACC specials that I wanted to sneak in at the end, right. but... Dude, I'm going Kyron Williams, RB1. I know you didn't ask me a question, but I, I just want to talk about him. And, and um, I just like the style that he that he runs, right? Like his his overall game is super complete in my mind. Uh, he pass blocks. He catches a football. He can run inside. He can run outside. I think he's got good vision. He runs super hard. You wish he was a little bit bigger. You wish he was maybe a little more explosive, but he is really solid across the board. And when I think about three-down ability – I don't know that there's a more complete three down back in this class right now than Kyron Williams. And so you couple that with me just being a fan of the way he runs the ball and a fan of the way he catches it and and blocks. He's my guy right now. Yeah. And I would agree with that perception that Kyron Williams is probably the most complete 
three down back. Uh, I love his pass pro work. He's tremendous in that aspect of the game. I do have Isaiah Spiller as my RB1. I think his ceiling as a ball carrier, just as a ball carrier, is probably a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have him over Kyron. Uh, if you're looking for, I don't even want to call him a bell cow, right? Because there are so few of those guys now that um, are just going to take the ball 300 plus times and run it. That's not really the way the league works anymore. Uh, neither one of us have a single running back in the top 32 on our boards. Um, I had Spiller come in at 38 and Kyron Williams at, at 47. You had Kyron Williams coming at 53. So we're in, in generally the same spot on Kyron Williams. It's just I'm, I'm willing to come in a little bit higher on the ceiling for Spiller as an early down primary ball carrier who's going to carry the ball 200 to 220 times a season. Yeah, with Spiller, I'm just looking for him to catch the ball a bit more consistently to get a drop rate of like 17% and just hasn't made that big of an impact in that area. And so the vision, the contact balance, the, the physicality is all there. I mean, the guy averaged 3.4 yards after contact per rush right. in the SEC last year. I mean, this guy is going to bring it. I just want him to catch the ball a little bit more consistently. So we both really like Eric Gray in yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, he is RB2 for you, RB3 for me. Uh, that's going to run out my running backs for this conversation. But Gray coming, oh, coming over from Tennessee – uh, where there was not a lot of room to run a lot of the time. I'm really nope. excited about taking his physical skill set and his aggressiveness as a runner. Like, he runs angry. He's one of those guys that you watch and it's like, okay, like, he's running like he's trying to put his face mask through somebody's chest a lot of the times. But he also has wiggle. He's not an uncreative runner. So I think there's some some really appealing traits there. It's just a matter of, can you do it in a bigger workload when you're asked to be the featured back? Remember Cam Akers in that sloppy Florida State offense? Yes. And we always got so excited about what he could do with some structure and some consistency in the passing game and with his blocking. Kind of feel that way about Eric Gray getting out of Tennessee and going to Oklahoma where the spacing is just going to allow him to eat. And it's a really good backfield with him and Kennedy Brooks. And obviously they're going to air it out with Spencer Rattler. So, Big year ahead for Mr. Eric Gray. I think everyone agrees. Yep, for sure. All right, so do we go tight end next, Kyle? Yeah, let's go tight end. So, uh, well, this is a interesting group of guys. Um, man, I am so mad at you that you you're not even higher on Ruckert than I am because I have Ruckert rated higher. But you have Ruckert tight end three, and I have him tight end four, and that kind of grinds my gears a little bit because Ruckert is such a guy I have such a man crush on. Hey, he's a good player. So the the diff we have both have Jaleel Billingsley at number one. And after Nick Saban's comments today, I think maybe we're feeling a little bit weird about that. Uh, imagine that imagine he, your tight end one being a guy who's not even tight end one on his own team. Imagine. Well, you know, it's he needs to become more responsible and disciplined. Fault. All right. Per Nick Saban. We didn't know that until today. Uh we both have Kate Kate Otten, tight end Washington, tight end two. And then this is where you you said you had a, an axe to grind, if you will, where I have Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State as my third tight end. You have Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M. Obviously, your SEC bias is creeping in. And then I have Weidermeyer as four and Ruckert as uh, uh, as your four. So 
what uh what what I mean you have them closer within four spots on your board, man. So what what made you put Weidermeyer ahead of Rucker? Just a little bit more production in the passing game. Uh and I don't think Weidermeyer's like super dynamic or anything. Like I'd I'd even go out to say and venture that Jeremy Rucker is a better athlete than what Jalen Weidermeyer is. I would agree. Is. Yeah. Um Weidermeyer's a little bit more prototypical build. Uh he's probably better with his hand in the dirt. He's probably better as a blocker uh, and he's got more production. So if you're looking at just the traits, I would give the nod to Rucker. But if you're looking at the actual full resume at this point in time, I think Weidermeyer does have an advantage. And uh, there is room in a lot of offenses for a wide tight end who you can rely on, even if he's not a stalwart or a stud as a blocker, right? Like he's not... Will Disley is a blocker or anything no, like that. No. But um, I like his blocking resume a little bit better than Ruckert's, and he's been more productive because Ohio State just doesn't throw tight ends the ball. So I'm sitting here hoping and pleading that they're going to throw Ruckert the football. I, I don't remember what the stat was, but it's been like 20 years since a tight end at Ohio State's caught more than 30 passes in the season. Mm. I don't remember exactly what the statistic is, and that, that could very easily be wrong. But I remember I did a Big Ten radio show and they asked me about Rucker, and they mentioned that statistic on the air. It's like they they just refused to involve the tight ends in the past game with any level of consistency. So I don't know how much more of an opportunity Rucker is going to have to change that narrative that he's he's not a highly productive player in the past game, but he's got all the tools to make it work. I think I may have discriminated against Weidermeyer because we've seen him used a little bit more and, and I'm buying into some of the unknowns that exist with sure. Rucker. You know, sure. I mean, honestly, like there, uh, take this it, it, properly. That's, that's one. If everyone listening, take this properly. I didn't get what I was expecting when I watched Jalen Weidermeyer. I didn't right like like you I've watched Texas A&M play a lot of games and there's been some really nice flashes and I was anxious to get to his tape but when I find out that I'm going to watch a 6'5 265 pound tight end that you know made some really impressive plays in the passing game when I watched Texas A&M games on TV I was pretty excited and then I watched the tape and I I just didn't get what I was expecting I mean for 6'5 265 for him to be a, a very willing blocker a physical blocker but not necessarily a very effective blocker that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and then he's a power forward I didn't see great route running or separation skills as a pass catcher and so that cooled me on Weidermeyer a little bit and then I see Ruckert and you know he's only what he catch like 15 passes or something right. last year nine of and his I'm 28 like, career catches are touchdowns <laughs> But you see him and you're like, I like that. I just, you know, and, and I, he, he almost, more. I want to see more. Yeah. And, and I guess the, the, that component of it, the, the curiosity factor that exists with him is what put him over, over Weidermeyer for me, but they're separated by less than 10 spots on the board. So they're pretty close. You know who I saw with Weidermeyer? It's not the comp that Jordan had, but I saw some Austin Safarian Jenkins. Yeah, that's excellent. That's absolutely excellent. Yes. So and I worry I mean, about that type of tight end, man. Sure. Sure. At least we didn't see Jay Samaro since we're going back to the 2014 <laughs> tight end class or whatever it was. And I thought you were going to say like Brandon Pettigrew Tech, or something like that. No, no. I, I can't believe you're a coward and didn't find a spot for Will Mallory in your ACC special bucket tier at the bottom of the list. You got James Mitchell in front of him. 
partly despite you, because I think you've been you've been wanting me to love Mallory for so yes. long. Since like 21 miles per hour, man. Yeah, that's new information. But like during the season last year, <laughs> you're like, you're, you know, you know, I'm t- doing my thing over here in the ACC and I got Kyle like, hey, man, you should check out Will Mallory. You know, this tight end that's in what, for Brevin Jordan. You really, really check him out. You, you watch him yet? You watch him yet? And then I put like a waiting long and you gave him like a five or something like that. And you're like, gave him a four. I wanted yeah. to see him do a little more. Hitting 21 miles an hour on the gun, man. Whoo. Let's go. That was that was something we saw on the timeline ahead of their game against Alabama this weekend. So yeah. uh, I have Mallory at 72. Um, I have four top 50 tight ends. Billingsley, Kate Otten, Jalen Weidermeyer, and Jeremy Ruckert all made the top 50 for me. Otten, Weidermeyer, and Ruckert all within 10 spots of each other on the board and then a big dip to Mallory. So that that's uh, the players I'm excited the most about at the tight end spot. All right. You ready for some wide receivers? Yes, let's do wide receivers. Oh, this I got to be honest. This is the first time I've looked at your receivers, and and I'm a little surprised. Yeah, Chris has some commentary I was, too. Well, I was just gonna say that like I have I have both of your boards up while we're doing this because I'm comparing. This is the one so far where you guys there's there's a <laughs> shift in the way that this order yeah. uh, looks. Well, well I you guess just, you you managed to find a way to jam a bunch of wide receivers in the top twenty five, which I did not feel comfortable doing. Heck yes, I did. Yeah, yes, you well, did. I'm, I'm I'm way higher on Dotson than you. I am 22. Jahan Dotson, Penn State. I'm 22. You have 63. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him. I just don't like him like that. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. I'm still I'm still processing some let's of these discrepancies. The top three. Let's let's let you process discrepancies by acknowledging <laughs> we have the top three in the same order. It's Chris Olave, yeah. John Mechie. Uh, we both have Alave in, in the back half of the top 10. We both have Mechie right around 15. And then George Pickens from Georgia is each of our wide receiver threes. Let me ask you this. If George Pickens did not have an ACL tear, where would he be on your wide receiver ranks? Like I just knew that I was getting healthy George Pickens this year? Yeah. I. He might be one. You think so? He, he might be. Close. be. Yeah, but like projection, like it's like the Drake He'd be Jackson over thing. It's it's yeah. Um, I'd be excited about him more than I already am. Mm-hmm. I, but I like Alavi and Mechie, so I don't I don't want to take anything away from those players. They're they're yeah. good too. All right. So after those top three, things get different. I want to ask you about Justin Ross. Y- you have a spot for him at sixty-one. Yep. And I don't. And and I. I would like to know what you saw in Justin Ross that that has you intrigued. Ball skills at the catch point. I know that's the concern is he can't separate, right? Um, obviously, there's the the medical concerns. He's been cleared to come back from the neck issue. Um, I thought he – I'm going off the potential he showed in his freshman season. And that first year that he was there, I think he really flashed in a lot of ways at the catch point. Uh, I know he's not the size of Mike Williams. I know he's not a blazer. I get all that. But I just thought as far as tracking the, the ball, being instinctual, this was a range that I felt comfortable with him as a tail end of round two valuation coming into the year. Now, if he comes back and he's super rusty and, the separation issues are even worse than yeah, he's probably going to be due to get downgraded and, and maybe significantly. 
But I just I can't shake that freshman season out of my head. If I'm being honest with you, yeah, man, he made plays for sure. I, and I I think being candid, I am wrestling with these ball skills size guys, and you know, figuring out how to value them because we've had so many case studies over the years. You think about uh, Hakeem Butler. You think about Calvin Harmon. No, don't uh, don't invoke the name Hakeem Butler talking about well, Justin Ross, please. I, I you know I just. It's a it's an uncomfortable skill set for me, and um, as you, I think as you can probably tell by my rankings, me, me having a guy like Jahan Dotson at twenty two, and not even having Justin Ross in my top top eighty, I am really valuing guys that I feel comfortably can separate. So, um, yeah, I didn't have Justin Ross in mind, and I, I think honestly, like I don't think you've seen Trey Turner yet. And I have him at 65. Out of Correct. I, I so, have not seen Trey Turner, if I'm being completely honest. So he's, there's uh, a, he's a. There's a lot of other overlap as far as we both have Traylon Burks. Yep. And instead of focusing on what number they are, like I have Burks wide receiver four and you have him wide receiver six, we have them within four spots of each other on our respective boards. So I would call Burks a win. No, I, I think Burks, we, we both see very similarly as a player. Uh, I came in higher on David Bell, who somehow managed to slip into your ACC special bucket after 75, which I, maybe the conference realignment happened a little sooner. David Bell of Purdue, and I missed the memo. <laughs> I want to sneak him in there for you, Kyle. <sighs> yeah, what, do you, what, are you, what, are your, what is your biggest concern with David Bell, because obviously I've, I've seen him pretty intently, 6'2", 210. Uh, they manufactured a lot of touches for him. I don't know if that's something that you had concerns about. Um, but a lot of the same things I talked about with Justin Ross, like I see some of those same things for David Bell, but I think David Bell maybe has a little bit more ceiling to tap into. Yeah, and I think that's why I have Bell ahead of Ross on, on my particular board. I, I mean, I have him as a top 80 player. I like David Bell. I just don't necessarily love him. Um, like you said, a lot of manufactured touches, and I just didn't necessarily see a guy that just consistently got open. And so I do think he has ball skills. I do like his physicality, all those types of things. I just want to get a little bit more comfortable with him as a route runner and separation guy before I start buying in a you know, top 50 type player. Sure. little love for uh, Jalen Talbert. Small school kid made both our lists. Yeah, he's a guy 68 that 68 on both of our lists. Big play guy, right? That's um, mm-hmm. looking at your notes here in your scouting report. Seventeen point four yards per reception. I mean, let's go. I, NFL's always looking for guys that can make big plays. So it was cool to see him coming in the exact same spot for both of us. Ready for some big uglies? Yeah, we doing tackles? Yes, we are. Now there this might is, be some there might be some semantics here as far as guys that are classified as tackle or interior yeah. offensive line. Um, looks like the Charles Cross is the big sticking point for us, the big differentiator, and Daniel Falele. Um, but we both like Jackson Kirkland and Evan Neal. We have both we, of those guys. We, we have a different guy at OT one, but we both have them each top fifteen. Yeah, and I, I wrestled with Kirkland versus Neal. 
uh, for OT1 because I definitely love the power and the athleticism that you get with uh, Evan Neal. Um, I, I just I feel like he's got technique work to get solidified in the run game, and he's got to figure out his footwork and pass pro. And so, like he's he's got to grow. He's got to he's got to put it all together and prove himself. Where Jackson Kirkland, like just such a technician in my mind at the position. And I know that you're not necessarily getting the same level of power, but I mean, it's probably one of those things. If you're a gap blocking scheme, you're going to like Neil. If you're a zone scheme, you're probably going to like Kirkland. So like, I, I think that's fair. I have them close. You can probably talk me into either one is OT one, but I'm just a Dre Harris said something in one of our scouting meetings that, is it really the tip tip things in favor of Kirk when he said it's a lot easier to teach guys how to pass block or it's, it's a lot easier to te- teach guys how it's, to run. It's block. hard to teach. Yeah. I, I completely goofed it. It's yeah. You can get stronger and learn how to run block. It's harder to teach guys how to pass block. And I, I feel like Captain Kirkland Planet that said edge. that one. That's a direct quote from yeah. Captain Planet. Captain Marvel. Yeah. Marvel movie legend, Captain Planet. Jeez. Yeah. That was really nailed it. Sorry, Dre. Uh, so try and talk me back into Charles Cross since you have him OT three and 33 and I have him OT six and 53. I mean, young player, right? Like big time recruit, young player, uh, is packing on weight. I mean, it's definitely projection based. Um, you're counting on him getting stronger, but you love the mobility and, you know, he'll be battle tested in the sec. And I just I'm I'm counting on him getting stronger, and and I think he can. But like he's really really nimble footed, and I, I think he's got a really nice foundation set. It's like it's funny because I'm higher on Charles Cross than you are. You're higher on Zion Nelson than I am, right? And yeah, it's like they're kind of similar. I'm yeah, just but more comfortable day, with Cross. I think I'm I'm more comfortable with Zion Nelson's build and frame than I am with Cross. Cross is really angular, like. What do you think he can realistically top out at? 310? Whereas Zion is already 316. Yeah. And that's, I mean, Cross is right now right around 300. And he plays in an air raid system. So I don't know. There, there's some things with Charles that I'm just probably going to be more gun shy on early because I've been a sucker and whiffed on undersized nimble footed offensive tackles in my past. And he's in an air raid system where I don't know how good of a habit he's going to have with his past skills and his past sets coming out because you're running Mike Leach air raid. Like you don't have to know how to take true pass sets. So those two things combined kind of have me at a spot where like, he's a red shirt sophomore. He's got plenty of time to grow and develop. And like, I think he can get there, but I'm not going to be so eager to buy and put him top 35 like you are. I've got him just outside the top 50. Touche. I understand your concerns. Okay. All right. Last one is the interior offensive line. And I misclicked. All right, here we go. Can I just can I just say how I like how some of these positions, one of you just has like four names in there and then the other guy has like eight. Well, well, yeah, so, because Joe did, Joe did the, the ACC special here. Look at the number rankings for these guys in the bottom portion. Like, we have the same four 
And then he goes, NC State, Ingram, LSU, and then Tyler Smith from Tulsa. So yeah, only one really of those guys is an so ACC fun. special. Yeah. That's not really the ACC special when two of those guys don't play in the ACC, but it's my region, though. Those are my region guys. Yes, he's responsible for scouting LSU and Tulsa. Yeah. Man, Tyler Smith is so fun. Uh, he's a killer. Um, he, he's a 330-pound kid, right? He's like He's the big guy. Yeah, he's they got a couple offensive linemen there. Yeah, <laughs> he's a killer, man. Uh, so you classified we uh, Darian Kennard as an interior. Oh, we both did. Okay, yep. all right. He's in there in the system for kind of projecting versus when you take into account the comparison that we have for him that we're working with, which I saw a lot of Robert Hunt out of Louisiana. Um. I, I guarantee you there, that narrative with Darian Kirkland is going to exist, whether he's a guard or a tackle. I think his ceiling's probably higher at guard, so we're, for the time being, classify him on the site as an interior offensive line, even though he plays right tackle for Kentucky. Yeah, I think he's got to play guard in the NFL, but um, he'll be a killer in the run game. I'm surprised. Like, Kent, you, so you have Kennard above Kenyon Green. Kennard, mm-hmm. Kentucky, Kenyon Green, Texas A&M. Um, what, um, and you like Kenyon green, he's 21 on your board, but what, right. what, uh, gave you the courage to put Kennard first? I think the fact that I know he can play tackle if you needed him to play tackle, uh, the fact that he's got the size, the length that he does, the mobility that he has firing out of his stance as a guy who's listed at six, five, 345 pounds, and he's got prototypical length. He is just a barroom brawler as far as yeah. he was credited with 47 knockdown blocks in 11 games last year. Yeah. Like, he kicks your ass in the run game. Chris, sorry, I'll put another dollar in the swear jar. <laughs> um, and that's not to say Kenyon Green is not really effective in the run game. I just thought Kenyon Green was probably a little bit more steady as she goes. Uh, even keeled, consistent, but I don't think there's any positional flexibility if you wanted to have it. So those were just a couple of variables that mean you add them all up, and and I end up with Kennard at 16 and Kenyon Green at 21. Like them both, though. So we have this. We have the same four interior offensive linemen as our top four, and they're all yep. between 13 and 40 on our board. And then you went 75 deep and didn't find another interior offensive lineman to rank. No, so I'm sitting here and I'm watching a Quanu and I just don't think he can bend at all. He plays he, he he's Eric Flowers is what he reminds me of. Woo! Eric they Flowers made a tech. lot of money in the NFL. Yeah, though. I understand that, but now he's like he's pinballing all around. He was the Giants, the New Washington, Miami. He's back to Washington for like a conditional seven, and Miami had to pay half his salary to get him off the books and like and it's so Equanu too, like what was this weird thing they did with tackles last year? NC State? Yes. Because I watched there were two separate games where like he was in and out of the game at left tackle, like consistently. Yeah, they've they've done that occasionally with offensive linemen through the years. And then they kick him inside the guard and they have yep. somebody else at left tackle and then and like what yeah, it's is pain in the ass. Here? Pain in the ass to scout. Yeah, they've been doing well, that for a while. He got downgraded just for the fact I couldn't follow him on the damn film. (laughs) 
Dude, there was one year they had they they had like three or four guys get drafted, and they were it's just like constantly. It's the Will Richardson year. Yeah, Will Richardson. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yep. Yep. They'll do that. It's annoying. <laughs> so, and I have not seen Ed Ingram or Tyler Smith. Man, Tyler Smith. If you just want to see a guy, <laughs> just get after people in 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 an aggressive way. Tyler Smith tape is for you, Tulsa. Okay. I'll turn them on. I got time this evening. After Ohio State versus Minnesota, of course. Uh, so any anything else you want to pick apart here? We we you you're I see you're in on another sub 290 pound center, uh egregiously high. And Tyler Linderbaum. I'm 16 and you have him 27. Linderbaum's a good player, man. He's more powerful than Bradbury, too. I hope so. Man, look at you. You're all in your feelings right now. I could tell. Am I, though? I'm just pointing. I'm in my feelings because you were mocking centers to Miami at like 10 overall last last fall. Creed Humphrey. Yeah. Kyle's clinging to a conversation we had a year ago. I remember this. Yeah. An, an elephant never forgets and neither does a crab. I hate to tell you. I, I'm fully aware. I've known you long enough. <laughs> I've known you tough. long enough. I knew I'm you real. were going to come in higher on Linderbaum than I would. For sure. I just think he's, he's very scheme specific. I have my concerns about guys that are so extremely scheme specific that they're 290 pounds and don't have length. Converted defensive tackle. That's pinned true. Tristan Wirfs. This guy can move. Iowa pipeline. Yep, I get it. I get it. We hope you get another episode of Draft Dudes in your life this week. We have another show tomorrow. We're going to do the defensive side of the football with the same exact exercise of holding up our respective preliminary draft boards for eligible prospects for 2022 and comparing and contrasting and occasionally roasting one another on uh, what the end results are. We hope you guys Come back and see it and hear it. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Kyle Krabs, Joe and Chris Schubert, thanks always for listening to Draft Dudes. Cheers. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and we'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.